believe that, you have authority, just declare peace and blessing over someone near you. Welcome to the podcast Grab of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Throw it up there if you would, please. Joshua, the Gospel of John, Jesus is alive. Say Jesus is alive. Let's say like we mean it. Jesus is alive. Now, Jesus being alive changes some things, right? He didn't just come back to life. Like it's like, like there are miracles in the Bible that are just miracles that are signs. Amen. And there, there's things that happened in the Bible that, that, that testified to who Christ was. Uh, there were testimonies of miracles that the apostles did that gave authority to the gospel they were preaching, right? And so we know that miracle signs and wonders will often happen to convince maybe unbelievers or God just to show people that he loves them uh, or, or um, just uh, indicators that God is with you. The resurrection is not one of those things. The resurrection did not happen for some other purpose other than the fact to conquer death and fulfill the prophecies that God the Son, who is equal parts holy, equal parts man, is not dead, but He is alive now and forevermore. Can you say amen? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you, and He is present in this meeting by His Spirit. And that is a really big deal, right? It's not, we don't like our whole faith, is, does not rest on the fact that somebody said there was a miracle 2,000 years ago. Th- that, that is not what our faith rests on. Our faith rests on the point that there is a God-man named Jesus who was resurrected from the dead, and I met him. I met him. And if you meet him, you too will be adopted into the family of God, receive His Spirit, be born again into a new life in a relationship with the living God. That is what our faith rests on. Amen? And, and, so, and so if that is what our faith is about, I need you to hear me this morning because uh, there's some religious stuff that could be going through your head and I like to stomp religious religion on the neck, right? I like to get it in religion and I like to choke the life out of it, even though it frustrates people, right? I like to get religion and let it know where it can go. So <clears throat> some people say to be a Christian, you have to act a certain way, right? We need less Christian actors. We need more Christian beers, right? Like we need people who are Christian, who believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, not people who act like Christians. Part of the problem with the church today in the West is we can't figure out who's saved and who's not because we believe people at their own words as opposed to saying, does this person look like they met Jesus? Do they confess that they have met the risen Lord? Have they made, like, have they have a testimony that I met him? And what you find out, and this makes Christians uncomfortable. Are you okay being uncomfortable today? What makes Christians uncomfortable is there are some people who are living lives that we don't necessarily agree with, who are actually saved because they met Jesus. They've received His Spirit, and they don't have it all worked out yet. I'm going to say that whether you like it or not, because that's what the Scripture tells us. The Scripture gives us some pretty clear indications, you know, how we should be living, what we should be doing, uh, but those aren't salvific. You can't act your way into salvation. 
Uh, uh, otherwise, most Muslims would be saved because they try to keep all the religious things that people, that Christians would agree is right religion. But they're not saved because you have to meet Jesus. Receive him as your savior. Have his spirit dwell on the inside of you. Have your hope in this risen God. That is where salvation comes from. And we lose a generation of believers because we tell them, if you're saved, we'll determine it by how you're acting. Does, is, that, is that making sense? This isn't my message, but I feel, I'm feeling something on this. On our anniversary service, I'm going in on this. But that's, that's the Holy Ghost for you right there. We, we're, we're determining and declaring who we are as a body of believers. Too much of the church is concerned about who's saved and who's not. Instead of saying, am I saved? Am I following what God has told me to do with my life? Instead, we think it's our job to tell other people what they're supposed to be doing with their lives. And we think that we are the judge to determine who is saved and who is not saved. Now, if the church would just spend a little less effort judging what people are doing and spend a little more effort introducing people to the person, the raised, resurrected, spirit-anointed Jesus Christ, then we might actually see revival in this country and have to worry less about what people are doing and more about what God wants us to be doing. Does that, does that make sense? You say amen. I'm, I'm going to shake you alive on this anniversary celebration day. You say amen. Yeah, we're going to be together. You have to, you have to go ahead and open the Bible. I'm, I'm, I, 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 um, I'm, I'm ready to preach here. And I'm going to try to go quick because we have food to eat. And uh, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. Hey, it was, uh, it's Duke's birthday this week. If you would give it up for Duke, he's... Are you old enough that we lie about your birthday or can we say... Okay, he's 35. He's 35 um, on Wednesday. There's a certain age. Here's what's kind of funny. You get to a certain age, and as you get older, you get younger somehow. You have anniversaries of an earlier, earlier birthday. Uh, a lot of people are having anniversaries of their 25th birthday for about 10, 20 years, but not until they hit 30-something, then they start, uh, but you know, and then they start having anniversaries. When, when people start having anniversaries of their 50th birthday, <laughs> anyways, John chapter 20, um, yeah, we did that for me. <laughs> Zoe, forget about the internship. Um, <laughs> it's officially been canceled there. Um, hallelujah. <clears throat> uh, you know, <laughs> having a good conversation with just a couple people last night about miracles. And uh, I believe in miracles. Can you say amen? Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me, I can tell you one of the greatest miracles I've ever experienced in my life. I got saved. Like, I got saved, anybody. Like, I don't, anybody can, if I can get saved, anybody gets saved. I get people still from my childhood who find me on, on, on social media and are like, you're, you're, you're a Christian? Like, <laughs> he does, he used the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? Like, it's just crazy. Like, I have people ask me, like, no, but really, are you, like, like really a Christian? Like, no, really, really a Christian. And, uh, and, and, and so you work at a church. Nope, I lead a church. You lead a church. Yes, yes, I do. This is Carl Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Carl Thomas from Delray. Yes, that's, I got saved. Like, like, how'd that happen? I don't know. I don't know exactly how that happened. That's why it's a miracle. Like, I do not know how it happened. It's a miracle, and God saved me. And um, I, I, I believe in miracles, and, um, what, but, but the funny thing is, um, I, I was talking to Duke last night, and I was trying to get Duke to take uh, credit 
for a miracle that he had uh, performed in somebody's uh, life. And uh, Duke refused to receive the credit for the, the miracle. And so we kept saying, Duke, you healed this person of plantar fasciitis? He's like, no, it was God. I'm like, you are a wonder worker, Duke. This is amazing. You are incredible. And he's like, no, 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 it's God. And of course, this is the stance that we're to take with this. And there's a reason, even if you don't understand why we need to take this stance. You see, we can cooperate with God to, to heal the sick and to, and to, and to see miracles happen and Many of us in this room have just seen more miracles than we could ever uh, give full testimony for. But it's God who actually does the supernatural. It's God the Spirit who does it. And this is super important for us to get because if people um, see that it was us, then they don't meet the actual risen Christ and they don't get converted. Right? And as you're raising your kids, and, and I say this all the time, it's super important as you raise your children. And if you have little ones, get this in your heart early. Never blame God for your parenting. Never tell them you have to do this because this is what God wants. Don't, 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 don't wimp out and, and blame God for your discipline. Own it. You know, I'm dad, I'm mom, and you're not going to do this. And as they get older, then you can say, you know, this is how God wants us to live as they get older. Or you teach them how to worship, but the discipline comes from you, doesn't come from God. If God wants to discipline your kid, they, he will. But most likely, he set you up to do it for you to teach them in the way that they should go. We need to not teach people how to act like Christians. Because at one point, they're going to quit theater. They're going to quit your theater class. They don't want you to be their theater coach anymore. And they're like, I'm done acting. I'm, I'm ready to be me. And instead, you want to help mold them to be a healthy person. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he will disciple you in all ways of living a healthy life. He'll, he'll teach you how to live a life healthy socially, uh, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually. God wants you to live a healthy life. God will actually, as you get to know God, he'll actually say, hey, you know you shouldn't be with that person. And, and, and if religion teaches you, oh, it's because of my body or purity culture, and he's like, no, they don't respect you, and you deserve to be respected. Your, 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 your boundaries are actually important. It's how you protect your identity, and this person doesn't care about your boundaries. This is how God talks, but we don't know what's going on in your heart, and so we just set up laws and we blame them on God. Are, are, are we tracking here? And God is super desiring that we live lives in ways that people meet the living God so we can minister to people right where they're at. So he brings us into their life to kind of minister to a little narrow scope of what we can see in their lives only as a spearhead so God can come in and give his full counsel of wisdom. That's why we know in part and we prophesy in part. We don't know everything. We know a very little bit, but we speak to that to help complete sentences so God can come in and convert hearts. Is this, yeah? So, 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 so we see in the scriptures today, last week we talked about how Jesus was in the grave and Mary Magdalene came and Mary Magdalene saw that the grave was empty and she ran and was the apostle to the apostles, told them about the resurrection and they did not believe her. Remember that? They did not believe that he was resurrected and they ran to the tomb and they still, well, he said, well, they believed, but we don't know what he believed, right? We know that John believed, but we don't know what he believed. The scripture didn't tell us. And, uh, and Peter ran home, excuse me, Matthew ran home, and, um, and uh, Mary Magdalene stuck around and met Jesus. 
And so Jesus was really the very first convert. I mean, excuse me, Mary was the very first convert. Mary Magdalene was the very first convert because she saw and met the resurrected Lord. Then once she received the resurrected Lord, she went and told folks like, hey, guess what? You know, like this is for real, for real. This isn't, this, this isn't just something. And so we see on the same day here, John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to try to not go too long so we can go eat. But uh, we're, we're going to get in the word of God. Verse 19, it says, so when at evening on that day, what day? Exactly. What we call Easter, right? On, 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 on the resurrection day here with the Passover. On that day, the first day of the week, when, G, when the doors were shut, I'm going to start over again because I know this language. I was actually, it's my native language. I can read it. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Verse 20, excuse me, stood in their midst and said to them, I'm going to start over again. I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. Hallelujah. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus came in. The door was locked. They were scared because of the Jews. Uh, they were scared that you know, they might be the next ones put on trial. They're locked in a room. Now, it's important to get that. They had already heard that Jesus was resurrected from Mary Magdalene. Right? They already knew that he had been resurrected. And they knew themselves uh, that Jesus was no longer in the grave. Like they, they saw for themselves he wasn't in the grave. Mary Magdalene came back and said, hey, he's not in the grave, not because they stole the body. He's not in the grave because he's actually alive. Yet they're locked in a door, they're locked in a room, scared, okay? Jesus, who, there never was a locked door that Jesus couldn't go through, right? You ever, you ever, you ever seen that, you ever seen that um, painting, Jesus at the door knocking and there's no doorknob on the one side? Have you seen this, Jesus outside? It's a Thomas Kincaid painting, I think. And so on the door that Jesus is knocking on, there's no door handle, uh, there's only a handle from the inside, and it says, you know, Behold, I stand at the door knocking, and only you can let Jesus in. It's so cute. It's just not biblical, because Jesus walked through the door here. There's a thing about Jesus. He, he knows that he's God, and he'll do whatever he wants. You're like, no, God. He's like, <laughs> that's the funniest sentence ever, ever, ever transmitted, ever. No, God. Like, you can't call him God and tell him no. It's, it's not possible. It's like dry water, right? It's not possible. It's, 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 it's God. If he's God, then there is no no. And so Jesus walks in the room, and the first thing he does is declare his peace upon them. This is super important. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them, peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any... They have been 
retain. Two things I want to uh, I, I want to get at here today. And so, if you're taking notes, pay attention. <clears throat> after after you know when we read the New Testament, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of trials and tribulations for the believers throughout Jerusalem. Uh, Samaria, Judea, as they go throughout Galilee, there's, there's a lot of fear of what's going to happen in the future. And then we see once Jesus is um, moving toward the cross, the disciples are scared. Uh, you ever been scared? You, you ever been scared even though you know God is with you? Yeah, like they're scared. And in fact, Jesus keeps telling them, hey, by the way, they're going to kill me, and, uh, which is not what you want your best friend to tell you. Right? We would call hotlines now. Right? Like if someone is having hallucinations that people are going to murder them, you know, but Jesus knew he was going to be killed, and his friends were scared, and uh, they actually did. They, they arrested Jesus, and uh, he was beaten brutally. He was murdered um, on a cross publicly to humiliate. Uh, the crucifixion is a known Roman execution style, so um, though, though they blame here the Jews for killing Jesus, the Romans actually killed him because Jews kill people by stoning, Right? The Romans killed by crucifixion, but it was the testimony of the Jews that um, caused the problem for him to be executed. And now they're very scared. They're scared what's going to happen to them. Jesus shows up on the scene. But what I want you to notice from this point forward in the New Testament, you can read the remainder of the New Testament. After the resurrection, there is never hopeless sorrow in the New Testament. There is never again in the New Testament a hopelessness or a fear or a dread or a sorrow about what's coming in the future. All we see in the, in the, new, in the church in the New Testament period is the fellowship of the Holy Ghost and a purpose, a sense of purpose that no matter what may come, I know God is with me. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and knows that they're scared and knows that they're sorrowful. And he knows that almost everybody in that room will be murdered at one point or another. And he declares upon them, peace. Peace be with you. He said it actually, he said it twice. These disciples, they, they experience what so many have experienced down through the centuries and, 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 and through today. The arrival of Jesus, even in the midst of your hardest hour, even in the midst of your lowest point, even in your times of uncertainty, when Jesus shows up, he brings the possibility of receiving joy. When Jesus shows up in your circumstance, you may not even know why you get happy, you just get happy. You just get hopeful. You just, you just, something inside of you says, I don't know how, but things can get better. Things can get better. When the real living Jesus shows up in your life, everything changes. And what we find is that people who walk with Jesus carry this ability to encourage your life if you'll pay attention to them. Can you say amen? There are people who will speak into your life who just encourage you. And I need you to also see that God has this company of people set up in your life 
who want to cheer you on, who want to see you become the best version of you, who want to see you actually know the living God so you can have his power, his love, his peace flow in your life. And there's also this other voice like we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's this other voice, there's this other force that wants you to be scared of the people God has placed in your life, who wants you to reject the testimony that's come into your life, who wants you to reject wisdom. They, they want you to like, hey, play it safe, play it cool. Do, do, do just If you stay over here, then, then, then it'll probably be better. You don't want to trust people. There's this, there's this other voice that's trying to undermine the Word of God, that's trying to undermine your testimony, who's trying to undermine the fact that God is actually good in your life, and you and I have to decide, am I going to, to, my, am I going to hold on to the testimony God has given me, or will I go back to lazy faith and surrender what God has given me? This, this, and we have to be consciously doing it because every day you live not in contact with God, your faith erodes. We, we get filled with the Spirit and we leak. We just leak. Life, life robs us of, of faith. It robs us of joy. It robs us of wisdom. It robs us of what we know to be true and it changes the goalposts constantly. There was a time when people told you, you just need to believe in, in Jesus. You just need to believe. You just need to believe and have a relationship with him and pray and talk to him. That, this, that, that's it. And then other voices come in and say, well, if you really love God, you'd... They put these little love tests on you. If you really love God, you'd... Well, you know, if you really love... And like, whoa, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to put a barrier between you and Jesus. And I have these conversations. People reach out to me uh, in social media. I found out today, this is, this is kind of cool, I had got my first fake TikTok account, right? Like my, my first scam TikTok. Like I feel a little famous, right? Like someone came to me and they were friended by a fake Carl Thomas on TikTok. I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of a big deal, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, but I, you know. Um, uh, so I get these interactions with people, and um, I, I was having conversations uh, w- with someone about, um, well, I'll just be honest with you, we're family today, right? About fake Bible colleges um, that, that are really just, you know, cultic institutions. And uh, we were having a conversation about um, this phenomena, and someone wanted to challenge me, and they thought they were being all clever. I'm like, hey, that school you're going to is not accredited and, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's just there to stamp religion into your life. It's not there to actually get you to know the scriptures and to, and to know God and to be able to formulate theological opinions. And they put this, uh, go ahead, Josh, this, uh, this, this, what they thought was a brilliant question. Well, anybody know what divinity school Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John graduated from? And of course, their inferences, like they didn't get discipled at some Bible college, just me and the Bible and the Holy Ghost, that's enough. And I said, man, that's, that's an amazing, amazing question. Now, I'm sure when you're sitting around drinking a beer with your moron friends who've never read the Bible, that sounds important. But, you know, some of us actually went to school. And, uh, yeah, actually, Paul uh, went to rabbinical school. Actually, he was a Pharisee. And then you had to have an accredited school if you're going to go and become a Pharisee. So he was actually in the leading Pharisaical school and sat at the feet of Gamaliel and was among the top Pharisees of the day. You know, uh, let's see, John and uh, Matthew, they actually went to the rabbinical school that Jesus led. Jesus was a Pharisee, uh, and he was, I don't know, God in the flesh. That's probably a good school to go to right there, being discipled by God in the flesh. That's 
I'd take that accreditation personally. Uh, and so he, they were discipled at the feet of him. And then for, you know, the next 30 years, they worked out their faith before they wrote, uh, you know, gospels about the good news about Jesus. And uh, Mark was actually a disciple of Peter, who again was discipled by God in the flesh, right? And so as Peter became a rabbi, Mark sat under him as, and wrote down the gospel of Mark is the teachings of Peter to the church. And Luke actually just recorded the teachings of those who were discipled again by God in the flesh. So yeah, absolutely. I know their accreditation. So like people think they come up with stuff like, oh, this is really going to trap them. And I'm like, oh, I read the book. I'm sorry you didn't. Like I actually have answers to these questions. And we actually, the Bible tells us that we should study so that we can have an answer for the faith that we believe. Can you say amen? There's actually a reason I believe in this. Like I wasn't talked into it by my mom. I wasn't pressured into it by my school. I actually met Jesus and then read the book and then had people who knew the book teach me the book and then they quizzed me on it and I had tests and then I have pastors who question how I'm living the book. Like there is a way that like you could be confident in your faith. Amen. You, you can be confident that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why are you telling me this, pastor? You know, there's, 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 a, mem there's a mentorship with people who know God and this is what we need in our lives. We live in a, in a society where you're just on your own. You could, you could take it down. I, I think I answered the question. Uh, we, we, <clears throat> you, you, can, you can actually know God, and you can know his will for your life. You, you, you can actually know his resurrection and see it manifested in your life. You say, well, how can I get a mentor, pastor? Ask someone. That's radical. I know you have to actually, like, like watch this. this is, if you're under 30, this is going to be radical. Watch this. You're going to have to not do this, and you do this. Hi. See, well, I'm going to do that over here on this side. Watch this. Hi. You're going to have to talk to somebody. You have to talk to somebody and say, hey, um, can we meet once a month and just go over the scriptures? Can, can, can you, would you be a mentor in my life? Would you, can we just meet and just talk about what's going on in my life, maybe how I'm reading the Bible? Do you have time? Or do you think somebody else who could actually do that with me? That's... And that's how, like, you have to actually talk to someone. Now, there's a lot of church systems out there that want to do it for you and want to force you into something. We're like, no, that's, that's not, we don't see that in Scripture. Like, you meet someone, and then you ask them. And then they get to be your disciple. And you actually get to grow in faith. We, see, here's what's important. And I hope, I, hope, I, hope, I hope you're tracking with me here. We should be growing in our faith. We, 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 our, our faith in God should be increasing. Um, someone else has to be in our life pointing out the work of God in our lives. The, the number one aspect of discipleship is not to tell you what you did wrong. I just, I hope we're getting this, we're, we're renewing our mind from this concept. The goal of a mentor is somebody to tell you what God is doing in your life. I understand mindfulness. I get vision boards and the law of attraction and positive confessions and, and, and all that. It's, I, I get it, but people focus on that and they get disappointed because God isn't in it. Like you cannot invent your own reality and then create it with your own voice and be in the will of God. He's actually God. And if he's actually God, he gets to determine what's best for us. And um, <clears throat> Let me say this and I'll move on. I've gone too long on this point. I don't know who this is for, but just get it so I can move on. 
1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not the God of confusion, but of, say it with me, peace. God is not the God of confusion, but peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Where there is confusion in your life, there is a work of the enemy. Where there is confusion in your mind, there is a work of the enemy. This is, and we need someone to say, no, this is God, that's stupidity, right? This is God, that's craziness. This is God, that's I'm not sure about. But the, like this confusion, you don't have to live confused. You don't, you don't have to live bewildered. You don't have to live just searching for God in the world. R remember, Jesus showed up and the first thing he told them was peace. Like, I know you got a lot of questions, but I want you to be at peace. Peace. And as he showed up with this peace, he's actually fulfilling the promises he had given them earlier. In uh, John 14, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you peace. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So Jesus brings order to old confusion in your life. As you walk with him, he brings you this peace and he brings order to areas that you didn't know what was happening. Watch this. He said this in John 16. A little while, you'll see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. That didn't make any sense, right? Like, if somebody told you that, that wouldn't make any sense. But when Jesus shows back up in your life, he starts clearing up the things he said earlier. Why? God gives you little breadcrumbs. Have you noticed <clears throat> in your life, God gives you bread and God gives you seed? There's bread in their seed. Now, now, the way you get bread is you get the seed, which is grain, right? And you grind it up, and it's flour, and you mix it with yeast and some other things, and you cook it, and you make it bread. And you got to figure out in your life, is God giving me seed, or is God giving me bread? Because when he gives you seed, you need to plant it. If you don't plant it, you don't have a harvest in the next season. You got to be constantly planting seed so you can have harvest in the next season. Other times, God gives you bread. The worst thing you could do is eat your seed or plant your bread. So we have to be conscious. Is God, what is, and so sometimes God tells you things and you're like, I don't know what that means. And people come to me like, Pastor, God gave me this word. What's it mean? And I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know. You might just want to pray on that. How long? Until you understand? Like, I don't, wait, wait, just keep praying? Yeah, just keep praying because it's, it's seed. Now, God gave them the seed. Look, I'm going to be gone for a little bit, and then I'll be back. Why would he do that? So when he showed up, he let them know, I knew this was going to happen. This wasn't a failure. This wasn't a mistake. This, this, this wasn't that you abandoned me. This is exactly how I knew it was going to turn out. Now, if life has been difficult for you at all, Maybe just me. Maybe, maybe has anybody like ever been disappointed? Has anybody ever like thought like God missed it on that one? Anybody said like, I've gone through some hard times and people have done me wrong and it went against the word of God in my life. Anybody in the room, just leave your hand up. Just, if you don't leave your hand up, we want to know who you are so we can just throw stones at you and we can help you be among us. Join the rest of us, right? Like why? Like why, why did God give me this promise and then times went bad because good times are coming. And he wants you to know in the hard times, good times are coming. And Jesus let them know, listen, I'm going to be gone, but I'm coming back. And they're like, I, I, don't, I don't get that word. But when he showed back up, he's like, no, no, I told you this would happen. You didn't mess up. I've actually been with you the whole time. It's important that you know on the other side of tragedy that it's not all your fault. Bad things happen to good people. He said it again in 1622, therefore, say therefore. therefore, 
you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away from you. This is the promise that after the resurrection, it will be impossible for anybody to steal your joy. All you could do is surrender it. But Jesus said, I'm going to show back up on the scene. You thought everything had been destroyed. You thought that you failed. You thought that it was over. God says, and maybe you're in that season today. Maybe you're in a season of confusion. Maybe you're in a season where you don't know where you're going. Maybe you thought you knew what God was doing and it hasn't come through. Or you're like, I'm just out here wasting away, God. Do you know that I'm getting older? I'm 35 now on the other side of glory. I'm I'm like, I'm just waiting now for my twilight years of retirement and then put out to pasture. Maybe I'm just like, I, I don't walk and move as well as I once did. My back hurts a little bit. I wake up stiff and why didn't you use me, God? Now I'm in my old age and God is like saying, hey, listen, Listen, this is not how it goes. Your, your latter days shall be better than your former. You're, you're, you're like, I am still going to complete the work of God in your, in your life. Listen, he says, I'm coming back. And when I come back, all the words I gave you before are seeds that are going to grow into a harvest. And I am going to fulfill that which I promised to you. But you have to stay in faith and believe. Can you say Amen. Listen, we, there's, like, like, there's promises all over this room. There's promises in the hearts of people here. There's promises over this house. There's promises in my life. And guess what? Jesus didn't lie about any of them. Can you say amen? He has told you things he's going to do in your life. And unless a seed is planted in the ground and dies, it cannot come to life. And some of you are like, keep getting your seed and you, you, you buried it in the ground. And you're like, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. But every couple months, you dig it back up to see if it's come to life yet. And you got to leave that thing in the ground and water it with faith. Water it with belief. Water it with hope. Begin to prophesy over the seed that you have planted. You're going to be a mighty tree. You are going to grow large. You're going to, I, I, when I planted it in my backyard, this is going to sound funny to some of you. In my backyard, I, I wanted to put a big fence, and then I found out how much a big fence costs. And I'm like, I got faith, but I don't got that much faith, right? Like I didn't have, I didn't have no faith for that kind of thing. So I was like, I got faith for plants. Right. And so I, I bought a whole bunch of Colusius and, and uh, my son and I, we I got a super deal on them. We planted them in the back and they're like, it's going to take about four years to fill in. I was like, take four years for you. But I got the God of who made all this on my side. Like I, the, you got a four year plan. I got a faith plan. Right. So I used to just go out there. It's going to sound funny. And I would water my plants and I just prophesy over them. I would say, Oh, you're going to be a, a luscious garden. You're going to be a big old fence. Of, I, just, I see you now growing gloriously in the sun. I just, I, see, I just prophesy over stuff. I speak the word of God over things. I speak the promise of the Lord. I do it over your life. I do it over my life. I do it over my kids. And I'm like, it might be a buried season. Come, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody's dream right now. I hope you would let this permeate your heart. I'm speaking faith over the promise of God in your life right now. I'd like you say, it may look a little buried right now, but you're in the ground growing some roots. You're preparing yourself to break ground. You're tapping down into the water because I know when you come up, you will not be defeated, that you will live and not die and fulfill your purpose. I hope you're dragging out your promises and your hopes and you're 
prophesying over them in faith. And this is what Jesus said. You have grief now, but I, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away. And never again in the New Testament do we see their joy leave. Never again. They're, they begin to get uh, persecuted. They begin to get murdered. They get dragged in the temple. They get, the, the diaspora happens all over the Mediterranean region, but they never lose hope. Second thing I want you to get from this. Get this in your heart. Get this in your heart. You carry the anointing and it changes things around you. Let me say it again. You carry the anointing and it changes things around you. Watch this. Verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on him and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. If you, receive, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. <clears throat> now, there's two views of what happened here. Number one, some people believe that this is John's uh, version of the Pentecost story. Others believe that this is the spirit that you receive at salvation. At conversion, when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you're sealed by the Spirit. Many of us Pentecostals believe there's a second work of grace of the baptism of the Spirit where you're, the Spirit comes upon you and you're empowered for witness that began at the day of Pentecost. And I hope that you have tarried for your own personal Pentecost. But we know once you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you receive the Holy Ghost. And something supernatural happens on those who believe in the resurrected Christ and receive the Spirit. And so here we see, here we see that they've received the Spirit. And now something is different. God not only gives them the Spirit, He gives them a commission. Because now, now they have the ability to fulfill it. <clears throat> I, um, I want you to know, they went from completely abandoned in fear to saved, anointed, and commissioned by Jesus in one day. In one day. And you may feel like your call is locked up in fear right now. Your promise is somehow been spread out in a place that is not even recoverable. But I want to let you know Jesus is coming back around. Jesus is coming back around in your situation. Gee, I like, I like to hear the testimonies of what's happening in other people's lives. I like to know what God is doing in the lives of the people around me. Why? Because it means Jesus is in the neighborhood. Don't, don't, don't. See, like some churches, they get, you, you can't tell, like, you can't tell people testimonies because they get jealous. I, I've had certain ethnic churches where they're like, oh, if you get your uh, immigration papers, you don't tell people because people get bitter. And I'm like, they don't celebrate? your papers so that they could have hope for their own papers? Like, why would you sabotage your... See, when, 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 when the very thing you want happens, let me tell you, the very thing you want happens, other people are going to get jealous. Why? So the devil can distract you from the testimony and get into defeatism. See, but when Jesus is in the neighborhood, I'm like, ooh, I could be the next stop. Like, I, I, like, I like ordering from Amazon. I watch the little, the delivery guy. Where is he in the neighborhood right now? He's in, oh, 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 he's in the neighborhood. I'm two stops away, right? And so, and so, and so I'll track it. I don't know about you. Like, oh, five stops at the mall. Oh, that's going to be a while. But I know he's coming. I know he's coming. And so when I'm, I'm praying for a new car, I'm 
praying for a certain breakthrough for my kids. I, 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 I look in the scriptures and I talk to people who got the breakthrough because I want the testimony to surround me because I want it to choke out every little bit of doubt that Jesus is on the way to my house. I'm waiting for the delivery man to bring me my blessing. Can you say, amen. I'm, 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 I'm like, he's, and then I see, I see on the little map, oh, he's in the neighborhood. See, like I just by faith did a little order on Amazon and I gave him my money and I'm just, I don't know who took my order. I don't know who's packing my order. I don't know who's doing the truck. I don't, I don't know how any of this is going to work out, but I know he's in the neighborhood. My blessing's about to show up at my front door. Now, that's a stupid example, but when Jesus is doing things for other people and he said he'll do it for you, you can say it's happening. He's in the neighborhood find out like when you like you got diagnosed with something just wait to go on webmd and see how soon you're going to die right just just wait a second just wait a second to find out how fast you're going to die look for some testimonies online of people being healed if you're going to have faith to pull something in your life you might as well have faith for a healing you say amen You, you might as well lean into healing as opposed to death right this you know we're anointed with the holy ghost to carry this. We carry this breakthrough by the Holy Ghost. This is what he said in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. It says, and Jesus Christ, the faithful one, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Watch this. To him who loves us. That's you, right? To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, he has made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This is who, now this is to the churches. He wrote letters to seven churches. Every one of them got conquered by the Ottoman Empire. And he wrote a letter to them that Jesus Christ is the overcomer, that he is standing in the midst of the lampstand, which are the churches. That is us. Jesus standing in the midst of our trials and has promised us an overcoming. We have to have faith for our breakthrough. John 13, 20 says, Truly I say to you, he who receives whoever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives... Like when they receive you, when you live your Christian life, when you walk in the anointing, when you walk in faith, when you stop complaining and you start believing what Jesus says about you, you are going to sound different than other people. You are going to, you are going to be a different person voice. I was talking to somebody this week who uh, is, is, is in a coaching situation. And in uh, and, and a lot of coaching in sports, like if your kids are in sports, be involved because don't let them raise your kids for you. Amen? Don't, don't let the coaches raise your kids. You, you, you need to be involved in that. They will have more of a voice in your children's life than you do. And a lot of coaches use negative talk to motivate kids. Like, you'll be amazed. And the more physical the sport, the more nasty they will talk to your kids. That's just truth, right? And this is not what you want for your kids. And so I, they were like, I, I, I'm a Christian, and so I try to motivate these kids with positive reinforcement instead of talking bad about them. And, and what I have found over the years now, he says, over the time, is that uh, these kids will listen to me when they won't listen to anybody else. When you have a voice that speaks hope, when you have a voice that speaks promise, Something changes in the atmosphere. Something changes around you. You're shifting things around you. But I want to show you this model. I'm going to end early. I just feel ready to land. 
Jesus shows up twice. Let me have the worship team come up if you would. Jesus shows up twice. He shows up. He speaks to them twice. Now, we see the first thing he says is peace. And then he shows his hands to the disciples. And then he gave them his spirit. And the disciples followed his command to preach the gospel. And it says in John 20, as we continue the story, so the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see in his hands the imprint and the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas heard the testimony and didn't believe, right? Just like the disciples, when they heard the testimony of Mary Magdalene, didn't believe. Because they had not seen the Lord. I I, I need you to get this. Thomas says, look, unless I put my finger in the side and in the hole and I see the holes in his hands, I'm not going to believe. What did the disciples do after that? Now, many of us would then begin to argue. We start arguing with people. We start debating them. We start telling them all the reasons that they're wrong. And I want you to get this in your spirit. Nobody ever became a Christian because they lost an argument. Nobody ever became a Christian because they lost an argument. You cannot argue somebody into faith. You cannot tell your kids how stupid they are and wicked and sinful and expect that to create faith in their life. You can't can't go to your neighbor and say, well, you're living a sinful lifestyle and let me show you in the Bible why you're you're terrible. And then the person said, oh, wow, I lost the argument. Yeah, let me go ahead and join my life to what you're doing. Amen. Amen. What did they do? What did they do? Well, they met, they, like these are the disciples of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm coming back, and he came back, and Thomas still didn't believe. Like, like this is a small group of disciples. Judas already betrayed him, and now Thomas isn't on board. Now, most of us would be like, is Thomas like Judas? It, should we trust him? Maybe we don't bring him around as often. Maybe, like, we're praying why are you praying with us? You don't, you don't believe, right? We start excluding. We start, but that's, that's, we see that's not what they did. I mean, we know that's not what he did because the Bible says in verse 26, after eight days, say eight days. So their Savior was murdered and came back. And for over a week, they kept Thomas in the inner circle. Now, Thomas hadn't been converted yet. He was a disciple of Jesus. He got it wrong. Wouldn't believe them. Didn't believe Mary Magdalene. Didn't believe the two who saw the empty tomb. Didn't believe the disciples who said Jesus walked in where there was no door and showed us he's alive. Gave us peace. Now, they had the spirit. Eight days later, Jesus shows up again. Thomas is still there. They still kept him around. What does Jesus say to Thomas? Verse 26. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, go ahead. Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it in my side. And then he said to him, don't be unbelieving, but believing. 
the Greek there is funny because is it actually if you if you if you break out the Greek, the Greek actually there says, "Don't be unbelieving, be faithful." That's a word only Jesus could give him though, because you can't be faithful to something you don't have faith in. But Jesus gives Thomas the faith to be faithful. The disciples didn't make him act faithful. The disciples just kept him around. They just kept him around. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for our future? Number one, Jesus is alive. And you are anointed to carry that message. You are anointed to carry that message even to those who are not faithful. Because you believe. And you are anointed to get this message on people and create a place for the risen, resurrected Christ to show up and prove himself to people. Like, we, we, we fall into a trap of thinking Jesus is alive for me, but he may not be alive for them. Your family member who doesn't believe? Oh, God is well able to prove himself to them. Your neighbor who doesn't believe and lives in sin? Jesus is well able to prove himself to them. Listen, you have doubts? Don't be scared. Ask questions. Don't, don't come to judgment. Don't come to conclusions. Ask questions. Ask Jesus. Jesus is well able to prove who he is in people's lives. This is what happened to the apostles in the book of Acts. It says in Acts chapter 5, when they had, the, they, they brought them in for a trial. And they began to question them. And they said, hey, we gave you strict orders not to talk about Jesus. Peter said, verse 29, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and the savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Ghost who God has given to those who obey Him. Listen, as, 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 as you are out there in the world talking about Jesus, I, 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 I need you to get faith for this today. If you're not sharing your testimony, share it. Like, I want to see more of God in my life. Tell people what He's already done. You're like, but I'm not really living for Him right now, but He did something. Tell people about that. He'll, he'll increase the story. See, the problem is, we all, our testimony is only part of the story. Tell the story that you got so God could give you some more story. I want more God's story in my life. How about you? I want more God testimony in my life. How about you? I want more God miracles in my life. How about you? The more you talk about the God story in your life, the more God gives you more material to work with. The more you tell people what he has done, the more he'll give you to tell people what he's doing you got to share with folks what Jesus has done. Your life could be a mess. Your, your life could be a hot wreck. I, before I got fully converted, God, God had been doing something in my life, and I was living in absolute sin, and I'd be at a party. I'd be telling people, oh, Jesus unsaved my life. And they're like, 
wait, what? Like, I should have got murdered on this day. Let me tell you the whole story. Should have got murdered. Someone got shot instead of me. The voice of the Lord told me that he had rescued me, and now I'm here. I don't know why I'm here, but I know I'm here for a reason. Living in absolute sin, but God took that little bit of action, that little bit of faith, and kept adding to my story till now I have a complete story of Jesus working in my life. Like, we hear people who may not be as Christian as we want them to be, and they say, man, I, I, you know, I don't know, I'm just trusting that God is going to do this thing. And we're like, no, he's not going to do it because you're not doing it right. As if we get to limit God. God is working on this planet. Can you say amen? He's working in the lives of people who go to churches you don't like, who believe faiths that you don't like, who are doing sin. Like God is reconciling, the Bible says, the entire world to himself. And we need to encourage people to tell their God story by telling our God story. But these disciples, the Bible says, were given boldness and peace to carry the anointing of God. I want to encourage you today to fulfill the call to carry God's presence where He is not. Next week, we're going to hear a bunch of testimonies from people who uh, are serving in the jail and other places, and God is just moving. You're like, of course, He's moving in prison. No, He's moving the lives of people going to prison. Of course, He's with the poor. Of course, He's with the prisoners. He said He would do that. He don't need me for that. But when you go to the prison, He's with you. All right, I'll talk about that tomorrow. Y'all want to all right, let's, let's land it here. You ready? John chapter 20. Why tell your story? Why did John tell his story? Verse 31. These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Listen, every time you tell your testimony to someone, every time you give glory to God for what he's doing in your life, you are fulfilling what John did right here. You are giving people the opportunity to know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you will have life in his name. I want you to have life in Christ. I want you to have life in Jesus. Stand with me if you would. I, 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 want, I want the living God to dwell on the inside of people in this house. Wow. In a, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. In a tangible way. And I feel right now, I feel, I feel the unction of the Spirit. Play a little louder for me there if you were, Rebecca. I feel in the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost is going to come upon some of you right now. I feel the anointing of God to set some people free. I feel the anointing of God to set some people free right now to settle some things in your heart. There is a new anointing coming upon this house. There is a new anointing coming. There's new wine that's being poured out that will empower people, that will heal people, that will bring people into their call. I see a part of that pouring out is going to be a, a wave of deliverance. <clears throat> there is bondage that people in this house have been dealing with. There is lack there has been poverty, there has been a lack of favor, and this new wine and your faithfulness, this new wine is being poured out to bring you into things that you thought were impossible to come into. 
to deliver you from situations that you thought you could not get out of. Who hears me now? That to, 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 to bring resources that you could not coordinate on your own. There is a favor coming on some people's lives right now. There is a divine creativity coming into your life to solve problems. And you think, did I just come up with something? No, it's a word of knowledge. It's a word of wisdom. It's a prophetic unction. It's a, it's a, it's a speaking from the cloud of witnesses that understands what's happening in your life. Come on, receive it right now. Come on, let me hear you. Let us receive it right now. The Holy Ghost is doing something in people's lives. And I see right now in the name of Jesus, if you just say the name Jesus, I see some things coming out of your life right now. I see confusion coming off of your, oh, Jesus. Oh, come on, just pray in the spirit for a second. Just pray in the spirit for a second. Just pray in the spirit. Oh, 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 you got something in your life and it's like a bad tooth and you've been just kind of praying for the, the pain to go away but, but you just got to get the tooth pulled and that's, that's all it is because there is a soul tie in your life and it's such um, you and this, this um, person have gotten so close that it's almost like you think you're one but it's not it's like a rotten tooth and the Lord wants to pull it out and once you let him pull it, it's going to be a little painful for a minute, but it's going to heal, and the pain's going to be gone, and the Lord's going to heal the memories, and God's going to bring you some new seasons and new people and new resources in your life. I see it so clearly. Just receive it for your life right now. It's painful when it gets pulled, but oh, it's glory when you don't have the chaos in your life. I want you to dream of a life of peace right now. Let the Lord give you a vision for a life of peace right now. Come on, somebody. Get a vision for a life of peace right now. And I speak favor. I speak favor over situations that you're lacking favor. In the name of Jesus. We're going to sing that. Are you ready? We're going to sing over our situation right now. Come on. vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. That I may glorify you. Very quickly, if you're away from God today, I want to lead you in a prayer so that you can just get this Holy Ghost of God, this Savior into your life. We're just going to pray it all together out loud. Are you ready? Yes. Come on, are you ready? Yes. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus. I need you. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need your spirit. I need your spirit. I give up my old life. I give up my old life. And I take my new life. And I 
which I find in you. You can have all of me. You can have all of me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving my mess. Thank you for receiving my mess. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. I bless all of you in Jesus' name. I'm excited uh, for for what we're going to see in the future. This is a really great message.